0: It's a Thursday morning, and the Crossing Broadcast is in your feed. What is happening? Well, uh, I am Russell Joy at Joy on Broad, joined as always by Kyle Scott at Crossing Broad. Kyle, um, we are on a weird schedule this week. We had a Tuesday drop and now a Thursday drop.
1: Why Talk you gotta lie to lie like that? Why you got to lie like that? It's 8.30 on a Wednesday night. Well, I'm saying by the, time the it, by the time it gets in their feed, it'll probably be Thursday morning. That that is true. That is true. I mean,
0: except for like the night owls. I love having access to the data now. Uh, I like it when I put up a podcast at like 12 o'clock and tweet it out, and I see that people are listening to it at like between the hours of 12 a.m. and 1 a.m. I'm like, You know a
1: lot of those people who subscribe get auto-downloads, and that very much skews those numbers. I know. Sorry to crush your dreams. Wait, so it's the downloads? It's not even them listening? Oh, man, this... welcome welcome to the beautiful world of podcast metrics Ugh. where a download counts the same as a play button play um, I'm just so there's broken. always I'm yeah I now. Oh, well, well, to follow we do have
0: mm. a we do have a listener it appears in Japan and one in the United United Arab Emirates I think we we actually read that guys uh, iTunes review like uh, maybe almost a year ago but if it's you're listening to, the to the this yeah if you're listening to this from another country be sure to uh, to hit us up on Twitter or leave a five star review in
1: uh, in iTunes because we want to hear from you and how well, you give us found a call, us 632 uh, Um, I wanted to follow up on something from the last show, just very briefly, the way we ended the last show, and we're not going to go down the Nick Foles circle jerk that we went down uh, because I I was right and you were wrong, and that is the end of it. That is but, totally inaccurate, but okay. But I didn't listen back to it. But having heard your comments. Uh, and you reading basically one commenter making an astute point. Uh, I want to be clear that I am, and we talked about this when the show is over. What people don't know is we continue that conversation for a good twenty minutes about Nick Foles and about whatever. And we had landed on, or I had at least landed on the thing uh, at the crux of our disagreements, which is um, I will, I like, I usually like where you're going, and then I take exception with how you got there. And then I get hung up on the details because I think I said this to you when we were off as someone who occasionally, you know, or not occasionally edits other people's work for the website, like you'll say the sorts of things that normally I would edit or go back to you and be like, do you really mean this? Because I think it's wrong. And then I do that to you in the podcast. And I think that is the crux of our, when we really go at it, it's because uh, I can't turn off that, like, I want to correct someone thing and uh it it, maybe it does come across as obnoxious it isn't meant to and it's a spirited debate and honestly I like fighting with you so that's a really beautiful moment that's that's about as close of an apology
0: as I think uh we'll ever get um no it it it, it really was (laughs) it was really fun though like when we got off uh you and I were just bantering back and forth about Nick Foles and um I we almost just kept I, recording. Well, I made the joke that we should just start a second recording. You're like, no, we're getting off. It's late. I need to go to bed. I'm like, what do you have that to get up Kevin. for? That no, was Kevin. No, no, Kevin got off. That was that. Oh, that was right. after because Kevin just kind of sat here like, man, you guys are a lot. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we can we can be a little much, a little extra. But um, we probably went for another what 15 minutes after we got done recording, and we yeah. landed on the same feeling. And it's that we Pretty agree much. for the most part. We agree on Nick Foles it's just the choice of words so let let's recap this one this one thing so like we got done recording and I mentioned the fact like we were going back and forth about is Nick Foles a good backup quarterback is he a great backup quarterback and to me like I don't really care all that much about backup quarterbacks like I think differentiating between like what is a good backup quarterback and what is a great backup quarterback like to me I don't care because in the grand scheme of things, you hope you never have to use your backup quarterback and a great backup quarterback is still not good enough to be a starter in the league. And so even after we got done recording, I said, yeah, Nick Foles is like, he's a decent backup quarterback. Like, that's fine. And, and, you know, to your I think point, you called and, him good to pretty good. It was not so, yeah, like you pre- actually, no, but uh, even after, after we got done, I said like a decent backup quarterback. And, and like, then I started thinking about, yeah, that is something that I think would be an editable offense If it were in a post because when I when I have two thoughts that are going through my head at the same time he's a decent quarterback and he's a backup quarterback but calling him a decent backup quarterback means like he's a Uh, mid-level correct in in, in, like the scheme of backup quarterbacks and like you accept my red pen well I looked at it and I went okay that actually
1: does make sense that said did you uh, say to yourself, Kyle's actually pretty good at what he does? Uh, pointing out those probing questions to surface uh, what I was, to distill my actual thought.
0: I said when, when Kyle's not, you know, busy pulling a, uh, a Bill O'Reilly on me or like a uh, Tucker Carlson on me. Grabbing one little word and uh, you know running with it and making his so own. Don't compare narrative. Tucker to Bill. Tucker couldn't um, hold a candle to, to Bill's O'Reilly. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of uh, of either, to be honest. But uh, anyway, Bill was at least had,
1: good at what he did.
0: He also apparently was good at sexually harassing women. So that's uh, that's a thing. Two things, yeah. Bill O'Reilly's barely good at. Yeah, allegedly, if you have it um, name in town, name in town. If you wish to opine. Wow. Um. So we've got we have I think a, a good good stuff to a cover. A so Yeah, it is. And and here's the beauty. Um, I want, I want to be really clear as of right now, the plan, we haven't reached out to him yet, but I think the plan is, uh, we're going to record again Thursday night. And our plan is to have Anthony Sanfilippo on because we've been hearing the people talk about how they want flyers coverage. I will talk about the flyers for a moment. I'm uh, currently in the midst of watching flyers penguins and this kind of gets into, we have some Eagles stuff on the docket. We have some Sixers stuff and we have a little bit uh, to talk about the NCAA, um, the TV special that's coming up. What is it? Sunday on like CBS slash Turner slash TNT, and um, let's let's just get into a couple things. Um, Right now, let's just go Michael Bennett. Just yeah, like (laughs) let's start with the big news of the day, Michael Bennett. uh, What are your thoughts?
1: I Uh, I I love the move. Look, um, previous me, as in last year me, seeing Howie Roseman acquire Legarrette Blount. I, li- I actually, if, if you go back, people were giving me shit today for hating everything he did last year, and that was untrue. I was I was very vocally positive about his wide receiver deals, very vocally positive. Where I soured uh, were two things, um, which proved to be radically wrong. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt and the Ronald Darby-Jordan Matthews trade. I was wrong on both of those, flat out. And those those were after a healthy dose of offseason, and uh, I had actually – I had liked what he had done up until that point. Jernigan, all that stuff. Uh, Long I, – I, I know I'm forgetting a few things here. So I'm not – I wasn't anti-Howie last offseason, but the, to me the blunt thing started to feel like he was trying to do a dream team thing because I, th- I didn't think and I don't think a lot of people thought that they could seriously actually contend for a Super Bowl. To Adam's credit, on this podcast last summer, he did say that um, – you know, the window for winning a Super Bowl is very small in the NFL, and when you have a good young quarterback at a very team-friendly deal, that is a great time to go out and spend. And he proved to be spot fucking on in that. Um but I would say previous me would have would have hated not hated, but would have been skeptical of the Michael Bennett signing. You're reaching for a guy who's sort of well-known. There's a little Namdi Awesomewah to that in terms of feeling. There's a little bit of Kerry Williams in terms of feeling. Um So I feel like, lots of feelings here, that I would have felt.
0: (laughs) You really are emotional today. I know. You have emotions, you have feelings. What is happening to
1: you? Differently last year, but I have full faith in Howie. Uh, Again, I'm keeping my word. I will never say a bad word about anybody on that team. Doug Peterson, Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie, literally ever again. They can do no wrong. But look. All it shows is that um, they're still going for it, as they should. And actually, right after I saw the signing, and not to circle back, but I thought about texting you and saying, see, this is why I want to keep Foles around, because they are going balls out for another Super Bowl, and we need fi- as much firepower as we can get, including an adequate backup, but- or a great backup. But yeah. the point is, I, lo- I like to move. Like, you could put him, as Kevin wrote beautifully, you can write put him on the end, you could put him in the middle, you could do that NASCAR formation they do, you can have him do the Brandon Graham thing where he comes in for the strip sack. Their defensive line, if they all stay healthy, is going to be potentially more dominant now than it was this year, and uh, that's sort of hard to imagine. Also, adding in the growth of Derek Barnett, uh, who, you know, kind of low-key, Recovered, you know, recovered that fumble is going to be one of the biggest plays in Eagles history, and here we are last year, and he's uh, he's holding the ring for Ricky Berger at that event we were at in the spring, um, and and then he's scooping up the uh, game-winning fumble recovery in the Super Bowl. So yeah, I'm all, all about the move. I I know he could be he's viewed as a little bit of an asshole. I know some people who think uh, based upon. A study by the LAPD that he like legitimately lied about that whole police profiling we'll thing. We'll come, back, we'll come back to that in a second. Yeah, that's a different show, and you I, honestly, I don't, you I don't know enough the, about uh, it. But I'm happy yeah. to have him. And I don't. The, the one negative. Sorry, I'm just trying to touch on all the bullet points here. You got a lot. The one negative is people seem to think that he is. Uh, an a-hole and a potential problem, I think this Eagles locker room can absorb a lot of personality. It has a lot of personality. I think there's a, you know... I'm not calling any of them bad guys, but I think there's a notion that they're all like goody-goody-goodies because it was such a positive season. I don't think that's the case. They're not all Chris Long donating all their salary to charity. I think they can easily absorb a guy like Michael Bennett's personality. The Patriots have done stuff like this for years. Good teams are able to take on you know guys who have been problems elsewhere, and look, I don't think Bennett is that much of a problem. He was on a ridiculously successful Seattle team for, for multiple years, so all in on this signing. All in. I hate the, his lack of shoulder pads. It really, truly has always bothered me. Uh, the only thing more is, who is it on the Giants? Who wears the crazy face mask? That bothers me more. I don't know. Was it Yeah,
0: it might have yeah. been. Was it OC Or was it Justin Tuck? Yeah, uh, one or the other. Yeah, uh, whatever. Go it ahead. was one of the ones that didn't blow their hand off with fireworks. Correct. Um, uh, so, a couple things uh, coming back around uh, to the NASCAR formation that you mentioned, I really like the NASCAR formation. The only problem, the only thing that I, I foresee being a problem is, it's pretty easy to defend. Um, because in the NASCAR formation, all the guys can do is turn left. Um, the, the thing that I really wanted to kind of touch on, thank you so much. Um, how many people just turned off the crossing broadcast after that joke? It's been a long time since I've done a dad joke. So I really, you know, I wanted to get in there really quick, but, um, here's, here's the issue. Um, the thing that you talked about with the police in Vegas, uh, for those who I think kind of vaguely remember, he had released a statement. It was after the Mayweather, I think it was a Mayweather McGregor fight. Um, and said that he had been, you know, racially profiled, that he had been mistreated by the police. And then TMZ ended up releasing the video. Profile the, the guy who doesn't wear and and shoulder pads. The, and the, the video, yeah. And the video was kind of inconclusive, but the video was like just, it, it was just enough where if you wanted to believe that he was lying, you could make a case based off the video. If you wanted to believe he was telling the truth, you could make a case off the video. And nothing was ever conclusive. Uh, I think it was the Vegas PD commissioner ended up, you know, kind of appealing to the NFL and the NFL players, uh, union that they wanted michael bennett to release a public apology that you know he had lied about being profiled and they had um what was it they had reason to believe that he could have been dangerous and like they had a a reason to try to arrest him whatever here's like this is the only issue i have and this always means that it has to be negative i think michael bennett is a good player um he obviously was a pro bowler although i don't put as much into pro bowls as i do into all pro I think Nick Foles, I think that's, Pro Bowl MVP. You know, that's fantastic. Uh so great. Now he's gonna what win us a Super Bowl. Thanks, Michael <laughs> Bennett. That's great. Um the the one thing that I'm concerned about, I think a locker room is capable of absorbing enough uh, personality and enough potential issues. I do worry that at some point, you know, you run the risk of becoming the cowboys. And I don't mean that. Like the Cowboys' issue has always been that they've been, you know, involved in actual criminal offenses.
1: Here comes Editor Kyle. Oh, maybe that's Scott. Maybe Scott is Editor Kyle who wants to pop in here.
0: This is the only thing that I'm slightly worried about. I'm putting my hand over his mouth. I think mm, no. Okay. mm. Wow. What are you doing? Um, I think I think (laughs) Bennett's probably going to be good. I just hope that whatever he brings to the field outweighs whatever the the preconceived notion of him being a potential locker room uh, issue is. I think as long as he does that, we're fine. It's the same thing with like when Jay Ajayi was acquired, there was that smear campaign run, you know, by the Miami Dolphins, and he ended up outplaying whatever kind of potential headache he supposedly could have caused when things weren't going well. Remember, LeGarrette Blunt and Jay Ajayi both had a game early in their tenures with uh with the Eagles, where they didn't seem to get the ball enough or they weren't really involved in the game plan and they both kind of gave the silent treatment. And, you know, it's not the same for a defensive end slash defensive tackle. Um but I am I'm hopeful that, you know, being next to Fletcher Cox, being in the vicinity of uh of Brandon Graham is going to, you know, give him the flexibility to you know, do his thing and to also maybe kind of rejuvenate himself. Like he's, he's averaged what I think it's 28 and a half sacks over the last four years. Um, he's got a lot of skill. I think he had eight and a half sacks last year. Like he's a good player. And you think that by putting him next to a bunch of other great interior and, and outer, uh, defensive linemen, like if nothing else, he shouldn't fall off. I don't know if he's going to, eclipse the numbers that he had last year, but he should stay on on pace, on track for similar stats to what he's been putting up in Seattle. Um, I, I'm trying to think who it was today that tweeted out, uh, "crap." Hold, who was hold it? on, why do you think of that? You gonna, yeah, made I'm two points.
1: You made two points. I want to want to circle back on. Uh, one was the becoming the Dallas Cowboys things. Uh, I, I'll I'll restrain Scott. I edited from... myself. I got out yeah. of that.
0: Don't even bring yeah. it up.
1: Just act yeah, like okay. it never happened. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I do think. What I would compare it to I have a Villanova comparison for everything in case you haven't noticed. After the oh nine Final Four, Jay Wright has admitted this. He wrote this in his book. He said that he got a little bit of a big head. He did the banquet thing a lot and kind of viewed himself as a mini celebrity. And, you know, he admitted to that. And he said part of that was Villanova being able to get and go after guys that previously he wouldn't have gone after you know uh not quote unquote Villanova basketball players you know there's a certain archetype every college every sports team has a insert school name basketball insert sport name football whatever it is team name football but you know there's that's a real thing at nova like it honest to god it is they really don't go after the the five-star recruits, they kind of can't. They go after those four-star guys who could be four-year players, and, and it's worked out very well for them. They got away from that after the Final Four and started reaching on guys who were more talented but a little bit less interested in in the system uh, i don't want to call them bad seeds but you know not quite the character guys they typically have and it kind of backfired they really they were out of the tournament a few years they lost in the first round a few years they had guys who could who had talent all the talent in the world but didn't want to play a team game or play defense and all that i do not think michael bennett is that i do think that it it, it can possibly be very easy for the eagles and through no fault of their own, Howie Roseman, and Doug Peterson too get a little bit of a big head and begin believing in themselves and thinking that everything they touch is turned to gold. Um, as we saw with the 08 Phillies, you know, things go are gold for a little while and then they and then they need a little, you know, they they sour a little bit. So that's not a a, a complaint of Howie. It's it that's human nature. So um You know, there will be guys who want to play here, and they do continue to have to be selective and not just continuously try and stockpile their way to a Super Bowl the way Ruben Amaro maybe did for uh, two years too long with the Phillies. Again, I don't think that is the Michael Bennett sign it. I think it is just fine. But, you know, something to consider if they go out and get, you know, three big-name players this offseason, completely ruin their cap, and trade away three more draft picks, which I don't think is going to happen. Uh, The other thing you had mentioned, what was the second part of your line? Uh, of your of your point i i don't even remember <laughs> okay fair enough
0: like are you asking for like the thing that i i couldn't remember
1: yeah no right before yeah. that
0: there was something else i wanted to follow up on i can't remember i, know, I said a bunch of say. great stuff and you know we zoned in and out um fair enough. i i just remembered so uh two things to recap this and, and let's be honest our, our listeners are intelligent people they've already seen this they've already broken this down 50 times but the the, uh, the trade as a whole, I think it was, it was Jimmy Kemsky that was the one that tweeted this out, but it was, you know, effectively the Eagles traded a seventh round pick and Matt Tobin to Seattle for a five. Seattle traded that seven um, and Michael Bennett to the Eagles for a five and Marcus Johnson. So basically the Eagles traded Matt Tobin and Marcus Johnson for Michael Bennett. I mean, Brilliant. like that, like when you, when you look at it in a macro sense, it makes the deal look all that much better. Um, the person that I, I wasn't gonna skewer this person, but like Derek Bodner goes and tweets, "I see the Eagles are continuing our time-honored tradition of building our team by bringing in stars from Seattle." Obviously, making a uh, a little bit of an allusion to uh, the great Byron Maxwell, who did not work out here. Difference, of course, is Byron Maxwell was a max salary kind of guy playing cornerback, and he certainly did not work out here. Uh, on he was on an island by himself. He was playing, I think, a different technique than he had played in the Seattle system. Michael Bennett's going to come in and like you know destroy offensive linemen. I I think that translates pretty pretty well wherever you're playing. And anyway. I was
1: I was more thinking of Maxwell than Kerry Williams, even though he was obviously uh, he played for the Seahawks after he left the Eagles. I was thinking yeah, I of Byron Maxwell when I made that yeah. point earlier. Um, yeah, yeah. This so, is a this is a good signing. This is a yeah, and- this is a good signing
0: it's a it's a good one, and it also just kind of speaks to howie's or strategy trade, here of of like you're doing uh Pittsburgh just scored Ugh. was I Phil Kessel, yep, it was all right, um, move on. I just died on the inside it It speaks to Howie's ability and his strategy now to just continue to go out and get like a few mercenary players, and you know he's supplementing it with youth, and I think it's gonna it worked last year, and it'll likely work again this year. I mentioned this, I think, on the last show. You know, when we talk about salary cap issues and we talk about being afraid of uh, of things not working, um, you know, with the cap, you have to remember that there are guys who are chasing the the only Super Bowl opportunity of their careers, and you're looking at a team that is led by you know, a a franchise quarterback in Carson Wentz and a guy who just won them a Super Bowl and Nick Foles. And you've got this great defense that you could, you know, potentially join. If you're a guy at the end of your career, you can end up being a rotational piece in a great defense, probably stay as fresh or as healthy as you've ever been in the second half of the season and make a, you know, an extended playoff run at worst. At best, you're back in the Super Bowl. So, like, I, I, I do think that these kind of moves are going to happen. I think even in free agency, there are going to be guys that we've seen in the league that might consider... Uh, you know, cutting down their salary demands to try to make it work to really pursue a Super Bowl with this team. It happens more in basketball, but I could definitely see it being a possibility here. So it will be interesting to see throughout the offseason how this is going to play out. Um, there was one other really cool storyline in this. Uh, it was reported, Um, it was Ian Rappaport from uh, NFL Network. He had talked to somebody from 950 KRJ in Seattle. He actually had said that, Seattle and Philly had, you know, their talks had stalled, and then they agreed to a deal. And at the like eleventh hour, New England swooped in and offered a third round pick and a fifth round pick in exchange for Michael Bennett. And the Seahawks, to their credit, had some integrity, unlike Josh McDaniels, and uh, they said they had already committed to the Eagles' offer, and that's the one they ended up going with. Rappaport has since deleted or the tweet that Rappaport had originally put out. Has been uh, deleted, but it was uh, you know it was a quote tweet by the guy real in, in Seattle.
1: Yeah, it was. He was qu- he was tweeting a yeah. If it's been deleted from a radio guy, I wrote this last week, um, or when we had Jason Martinez on. From unless it's someone who's a specific sport expert, um, you know, which there's kind of few and far between on local sports talk radio. Having done this for a while, to me, it feel those people are wrong a lot. And that's not. This isn't a take a shot at sports talk radio thing. Most of these guys aren't reporters. They trade on ratings and innuendo and rumor and all that. And typically, when they put out a report like that, almost always, especially when it's a juicy one that no one else has, it almost always turns out to be not untrue or completely exaggerated or just flat out like, flat out like the nine. Like occasionally they get one, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was just a local sports talk guy who heard something secondhand. He's not actually a reporter. He didn't verify it. He doesn't have a great source. It's a secondhand source, and it turned out to be false. Yeah. That's my, I don't know. that's my spiel on it. It'll
0: be interesting. Uh, interestingly uh, enough, as well, uh, Michael's brother, Martellus, has also been released by the Patriots. And with Trey Burton likely leaving, it will be interesting to see if he's one of these guys that's going to go kind of like minimum salary, uh, join his brother, yada, yada, yada. We'll see if it happens. Um, anyway, Eagles have had a bunch of other things going on. Uh, we've been tweeting out about the uh, the video. Did you uh, Did you get the the movie,
1: the recap of the Eagles season? On I Amazon did. I or almost pulled a muscle buying it. It was that was the most no brainer purchase I think any Eagles fan will ever make. $12.99 on iTunes. Uh, you can also buy it on Amazon Video, $12.99. You can rent it on both for $4.99 on iTunes, $5.99 on Amazon Video. We have an Amazon link on the website. If you want to click it, we get credit for that. Thank you. Um, and you can, of course, buy the DVD. Yeah, Amazon pays 2.5%. So I think we generated like well over 100 DVD sales yesterday on that link. And it shakes out to like 50 whole dollars. But, you know, it is what it is. Send that my way, buddy. them. Right. Keep them coming. All right, all right, but, all right. But um, is great, predictably great. Uh, I could have used a little bit more from the postseason. It was a bit formulaic the way it went through every game. Essentially, you know, there's, generally speaking, one player mic'd up for every game. So it kind of focused on that player uh, and the available footage that they had. Um, it wasn't quite... I would say it's probably not quite well done as the Phillies one from 08 because that had a bit more of a documentary feel. It had some interviews spliced in. Scott Graham does a lot of these. He did one for Villanova after they won. Or no, actually for their Final Four season. Um, and that had interviews spliced in. This was more or less just a compendium of all of NFL films's films' uh, films the, throughout the course of the season. It was still very good. Don't get me wrong. It's the sort of thing that I am going to require my kid to watch at least monthly, uh, starting with the day he turns three through the time he turns 14, um, so he can really understand the season and know all the ins and outs. Um, but yeah, it was a little little regimented in the middle, but still a great watch. Tons of Super Bowl footage, tons of playoff footage. Uh, I was on my second Old Forester Statesman, highly recommended, by the way, a limited release movie tie, and it's great. Uh, I was on my second one by the time they got to the Super Bowl. And when they showed the Brandon Graham strip sack, got a little misty, not going to lie. Uh, really well done. Have to buy it. I haven't checked out the extra features, but I'd give it a solid BB+, and it, regardless, is still a must-own.
0: When you were watching it, did you get that feeling? I, I always have this happen. So after the Super Bowl, I went back, I watched it, I think, two more times. Um, and this often happens when I go back to watch like La Liga and Serie A and everything over the weekend, I catch up on my soccer. I know what the score is going to be, but I end up feeling late in the game that something is going to happen, like there's going to be a tear in the space-time continuum and there's going to be a different result. When you were watching the uh the DVD and you're getting to, you know, around the Super Bowl, did you get the nerves again? Like did you start to get that feeling of of worry and dread in your in your stomach when Brady threw that touchdown to Gronk, and they took the lead. Like, did did you feel that again? Did you relive the emotions? Or was it just this, like, blissful confidence because you were drunk on bourbon?
1: Uh, I would say it was... No, I didn't relive the emotions in terms of the fear. I mean... I gotta release the Nest Cam footage of that night. Um, I mean, I just saved the the. That's what the people are waiting for. Man. That is just, what the people just put are waiting it out for. there. I it's missed. What the people it, have been in my pit demanding of misery.
0: I completely forgot. Um, Along with uh, was, a few other story notes that we will not
1: mention on here that you flat out should have just just known. missed. Oh, um, but I was yeah. I was a complete wreck during the game, so I was not. Um, I was not like that. I will say, it's slightly slightly different. Um, what really got me nervous for the super bowl and what really the first thing that, that did it sb nation put out their madden sim of the super bowl and the eagles wound up winning late uh, after they had a lead and i think tom brady came back it, it was not exactly how the game played out i think it may have came down to a field goal but it was very close in terms of like the eagles kind of being slightly ahead and then a little bit of back and forth and then a late win and I, it was really well done and it came out maybe like the thursday before the super bowl I was confident and calm up until that point. I shit you not. I, no exaggeration, no hyperbole here. It was about 5 minutes long from the time I watched that a few days before the Super Bowl. I was a I was a basket case up until the last play of the game Sunday night because what I thought to myself, I was like if the game plays out this way, I may have a heart attack. I got nervous watching their sim. Just thinking about the potential of the game being that close, I was honestly hoping for another Vikings game, or if they were going to lose, just to get blown out. Because I, I, I was not, I did not, I do not want to go through that experience again. Two years ago, I felt that way during the Nova Championship. It was even way worse during the Super Bowl. Um, That sim, the SB Nation sim, really got me freaked the fuck out. Um, The video did not do that, but it gets me more misty watching that stuff. I get very misty.
0: All right, that's beautiful. Um, yeah. I,
1: I zoned out a second in there
0: because uh, I think a post might be coming on this. Michael Kendricks was interviewed during intermission and Mike Milberry, who is a known Boston uh, apologist, uh, he asked a, s- a few stupid questions, but one of them was asking, uh, did Michael Kendricks know that Malcolm Butler wasn't going to play in the Super Bowl and how did it make him feel? Kendricks is like, um, we found out, we were surprised, and I don't care. I like it. I don't. I don't get the, this Stupid crossover. Question. This is yeah, and and there was something. I think they must have asked him about his situation in Philadelphia. I have to go back and and try to snag that bit. But like he said, that's something that we're going to worry about later. Like that's not a, a thing to talk about now. So that's that's my guess. Um, that makes love, a really good. That makes for a really good pod.
1: I love these banquet circuit things and it's sort of on our talking point because as the eagles are you know the eagles are doing everything right now as well they should i remember in 09 charlie Manuel did a cheers to charlie dinner that i don't even know who the fuck organized and it's like man these guys are saying yes to everything right now um that's basically the eagles i don't get the michael kendrick's thing either um i was like read it three times i'm like am i missing something here is he a like hardcore pens fan flyers fan i i do do not get that one but whatever All for it, these guys should soak it in as much as they possibly can. Um, Meanwhile, though, it is is positively delightful to see the Cowboys fans getting tweaked at us continuing to step on the gas while their team pays a $2 million uh, fine in legal fees, uh, the retribution in legal fees uh, that the NFL incurred for having to fight Jerry Jones's. uh, Stupid, although uh, admirable attempt to dethrone Roger Goodell. Um, Bob, earlier on the site, wrote about, the the notion of kind of the the Cowboys' misfortune, the Eagles' fortune, and really all of the Philly sports team's fortune over the last, uh, since the Super Bowl. Um, I think this line from him bears reading out loud, Uh, quote, if I could, I would find a way to turn these past few months into a tangible object. Russ, I need like a hymn in the background here. I feel like this deserves a hymn. Um, Okay. Okay. I would hold it in my arms and cuddle it for a while before cutting it up into a thousand little pieces. I would throw it into a frying pan with some olive oil on high heat for a few minutes, letting it crackle and splash about at its peak temperature. Start over, start over, start over. No, 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 I got a better one.
0: No, 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 it's okay. Just trust me. Starting over. If I could. I I want Mm. you to, I want you, as you do this, I want you to approach this with some real chutzpah. I need people to believe that the words of Bob... Have just uh, have have taken over everything about you. Better yet, I'll do my best, Liev Schreiber. That's how I, that's his, how I like. First to of all, read stuff. His his name is Liv Schreiber, not Liev. I mean, sure? He's not he's not Liv Tyler. Yeah, I'm, I'm 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 pretty sure about that. Yeah.
1: All right. Go ahead. There you go. In my best, Liev Schreiber. If I could, I would find a way to turn these past few months into a tangible object. I would hold it in my arms and cuddle it for a while before cutting it up into a thousand little pieces. I would throw it into a frying pan with some olive oil on high heat for a few minutes, letting it crackle and splash about. At its peak temperature, I would then pour the hot, nay, blistering concoction all over my body. The pain would be temporary, but the scars would forever serve as a lasting reminder of our triumph.
0: Just let Andrea Bocelli take you home.
1: Here I we do go. not want Andrea Bocelli taking you home. I can't fucking see. Here we go. Nahan, here we he go. Here we go. Shh,
0: go. Oh. That's beautiful. What the people at home who all, who all speak Italian know is the word that he was singing at the end was "vincero," which is Italian. The EO form, the the for, "I" for victory form of "I win," Close. and that's exactly what Bob, I think, accomplished in that moment. There was that a was beautiful. beautiful crescendo uh, building throughout that piece, and when he got to that moment, that was the climactic moment where Andrea Bocelli really is the 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 perfect. He's the epitome of of everything that belonged there. Hopefully, the uh, the audio came out nicely yeah it did um, i heard it anyway yeah uh, all in on the great. victory tour
1: uh-uh.
0: <laughs> what is happening today okay can we um, talk about the ncaa stuff no i want to you- did you mention brady because we, oh, no. we had that we had that on our in our little beautiful show sheet that we have here mm. um the the video of uh what is it the tom brady uh thing where they didn't plan any kind of a contingency plan for yeah if uh if brady and the patriots wouldn't win the super bowl they hadn't really thought that through and what was it like a three-week waiting period right like usually Hashtag it was the up. next week or something but yeah. yeah uh brady's sitting on his couch dejected as they overlay his voice on that hail mary throw that that
1: didn't work out it was beautiful i, I am really looking forward to this um I want, to, like, I want to see his misery. I've never been someone... I don't just hate really good players who are successful. Um, like, I, I like Steph Curry a lot. There's a lot of guys I like a lot. I appreciate watching greatness. Even though LeBron has at times gotten under my skin, I love watching him. Uh, Tom Brady, and I was, it's probably only been over the last two or three years, uh, just enough. Like, enough is enough. His whole... I'm smarter than you. I'm healthier than you. I drink 35 cups of water. My muscles are not the strongest, but they're the longest. You know, I that whole thing with his trainer... Him selling books and turning into this like you know second rate sooth you know soothsayer snake oil online snake oil salesman who is who has ads popping up on Facebook right next to the guy who's selling you supplemental pills, like go fuck yourself first of all, you get so much money. like why are you even bothering trying to push this stuff? I guess the answer is because he really believes that it works, and you know what? good for him, whatever training regimen he has, whatever it works for him, it serves him well. that's fine. It's really not medically backed. Having longer muscles is not medically backed. It's not necessarily going to stop you from snapping a bone or tearing tearing an ACL. If nothing, maybe it'll say, save you for some muscle strains and all of that. Um, he's been radically lucky. No one ever touches him back there because he's Mister Tom. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of Wayne Gretzky to Brady. I, I believe. Maybe not. Maybe that's unfair. But enough of him. So seeing his misery, I'm I'm all in on this. All fucking in on this. Go away, like go away. Hang them up. Go away. This, you know, when you think about the How Phillies, do you really feel? The, when you think about the Phillies World Series, I've never been someone to say, "Oh, it's you know they only beat the Rays." Why? Yada yada. The Rays were pretty good that year. I get that sentiment and why people would feel that way. It to me took nothing away from them winning. That said, beating the Patriots and in the fashion that they beat the Patriots is makes this so sweet. Watching, I was thinking that watching this video last night. You could feel the David first, first Goliath, Goliath nature of the narrative, even in the video. And it's like, man, when he came back, you saw those guys on the Eagles sideline. You could see their nerves. They stayed confident, but you could, you could see, hear, and feel that sinking feeling that they had when the Patriots took the lead. And having the Eagles come back and take it from him and the game ending on Brady, you know, admittedly a Hail Mary and and Brady doing his absolute best there. The game ending on Brady throwing an incomplete pass and fumbling the football. um, So fucking sweet. It was beautiful. Yep.
0: I think that was the first time, by the way, like looking at him that I really thought he looked like he was in his 40s. I think his hair is longer in the video. Something about longer hair on older dudes just it makes you look old. It just doesn't accentuate uh, any of your youthful undertones. So uh, you gotta gotta get that figured out there, Tommy. little Tommy boy. Um, all right, uh, during the Sixers game, I did a post on this. Uh, Alan Iverson was interviewed by Molly Sullivan in what could at best be described as awkward and at worst, one of the uh, I would argue worst interviews I think I've I've seen happen on Philadelphia sports in a while and I like Molly Sullivan a lot I think she does a great job but I've talked about it before the way that that AI has just kind of existed in the public eye for like I don't know the last I don't know, eight years, starting with when he kind of fell out of the league, like when he went to the Grizzlies and then he ended up playing in Turkey for like two weeks and then bailed on them. and you compound all of the issues that have come up. It's like every two years there's an article written about him having a gambling problem, having problems with alcohol, him getting suspended from the big three league because he was what was it boozing and and gambling in Chicago while a game was being played in Dallas, or like he was there the night before. And he bailed on the event in Dallas. They suspended him. Like, I don't know how you get suspended from the big three, but he managed to. Like, watching him just exist in an altered state of mind, I feel like Molly or the producer should have pulled the plug on that interview. And she ended up coming out and tweeting after the fact that, like, people should kind of give AI a break. And, like, in the last six years that they've been doing interviews with him, that's how it's always sounded. And, like, nothing was out of the ordinary. I mean... I think I view AI through a slightly um, more critical lens than most people do, but something just wasn't right there. And I think there has to be a little bit of professional discretion from the production staff that like AI is not going to contribute anything to this telecast that's going to be of value. There's no point in interviewing him.
1: I don't know how you thought or how you felt about it. but As someone who remembers the 2001 Sixers. Stop. No, this has always been Iverson, though. This is, quite frankly, why people love him. And you've talked about this before. Oh, it's, you know, it's tainted, this stuff, his gambling problem, it's whatever. That is, like, that is that is Iverson. And that's always been Iverson. From the TGI Fridays days to the kicking his wife out of their house naked with a gun days. Like, this is Iverson. Oh, <laughs> yes. That was a
0: great moment in Philadelphia sports history. Who could forget? <laughs> Jeez.
1: But But, it but. No, I
0: don't but, care if that's. You get older. You grow up. You mature as a human being. Well, or you I like to live, think,
1: regardless of age, that's you know you probably should understand. You should not put your wife outside. Nate usually yeah, give her a towel like, before kicking yeah, her out with oh a gun. My God. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. God, oh I'm, kidding. God. I'm
0: kidding. No, I'm kidding. I know, but like that's that's i think the thing that makes too. it more disappointing like when you're when you're in your 20s and you're making millions of dollars and you go got and you gamble and you party and you get drunk and you speed over the ben franklin bridge at like 110 miles an hour and get sam hinky fired like Joe look did and you like punch people in boston fine you're 19 or 20 that's okay like it's stupid and you shouldn't do it but like you're making millions of dollars and you're a young impressionable kid fine he didn't
1: do AI's anything last old. night he had a few drinks <laughs> So what? He shouldn't be on TV. That's Kevin why Hart I said. I think it falls. Drinks.
0: I think it falls more on the
1: production staff. I would have, if I was in Molly's ear, I would have said, "All right, let's wrap this." He's he's shit faced, because I would say, normally AI is a, AI is one of the best interviews in sports when he is sober. Which is usually when he's talking on a mic. He is one of the best interviews in sports. He is, and this is why people love AI, warts and all. He's owned them. He doesn't sugarcoat stuff. He doesn't have a PR guy sitting next to him saying, "Alan, you're drunk. Don't go on TV." No, he's like, fuck it. Yeah, I know Molly. I'll do the interview. I don't care." I mean, he—that's Iverson. Take it or leave it. And and this is why people love Iverson because he is what you get. You get what you see. Whatever. Whatever that phrase is. Um, you know, and he's he's good. He's good when he's sober. I think he is. He is not educated, but he is very smart. And sometimes people conflate those two things. Someone who is well spoken may be a dipshit. I know plenty of people who are well spoken and dipshits. Iverson is not well spoken, but he's also very smart. He is observant. He like, I mean, he really, he his power of observation is great. Sometimes he's a little too introspective, and it, you know, it gets to be a little bit too much. But again, when you're the most when you are the, command every room you walk in since the time you're in high school, you're bound to be that way. Um, but I think he's a great interview, and he just happened to be drunk for this one. So what? He, it, it is what it is. I would have pulled. Well, the plug he was either drunk or
0: or uh, Chris Carter definitely implied this morning on First Things First that and he, was, he high. was high. So what? Uh, he said. He said I'm glad that he could get his words together and said uh, AI looked like he was you know floating just above the ground on a little hoverboard.
1: Right. I think is what he said. Um, this yeah, does nothing for me. If AI is going to Sixers, I didn't. I did not know he lives in Charlotte now. I thought he lived in Atlanta. Well, that's but, what they skewered him for. That's what they
0: skewered uh, NBCSN Philly for. Is that like you have a, a research
1: department? Like, how does nobody know that? But like, I think it's an honest mistake. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't, I, I don't know. know. I mean, look, maybe it was common. I didn't think it was not. They probably just Molly probably thought she knew where he lived, and I don't know. He moved. Maybe he's been in Charlotte, but it doesn't matter. Maybe, like, like, look. Maybe dude, I'm if AI is getting high and going to Sixers games, that great. Great, add to the legacy, add so to it. So there are plenty
0: of people, I guess, in in the Philadelphia area, right? I mean, whatever. Here's yeah, I mean, every
1: Sixers fan from Fishtown is smoking a bowl before walking into the Wells Fargo Center, I assume, right? Who
0: do we know that's from Fishtown, who we've compared to being a stoner before,
1: but clearly isn't. He's a great guy.
0: He does it not that there's anything Kevin. wrong with stoners, there's no good way to go about this. Kevin, Kevin, I don't think Kevin's, no, I don't think Kevin's No, that's why I said we I to clarify that. I think that's just his demeanor. Uh, yeah, he's just nice and chill his, all the time. His baseline is chill. Um I, I I don't know, maybe it was just too much to always expect that Allen Iverson was the guy that I remember, you know, seeing on the uh the front cover of NBA two K for Sega Dreamcast and just wanting him to be that pure player that I always, you know, love to use the Do you realize that was scored. six years that after is a goal. He was in a bar. Oh, fight. tell me that's Nolan Patrick.
1: Yes Do you realize remember that
0: how, was Remember how a few weeks ago hold on, AI doesn't play anymore, I don't care about him. <laughs> Nolan Patrick, remember how a few weeks ago uh, we were talking about and I think it was maybe a little bit more of, of you and Adam kind of talking about Nolan Patrick being a bust. And uh, that was Adam. I don't were think of, I would. And, called and, and we were looking for six months. And we were kind of looking at the uh, the Nico, how we missed that on Nico, and how it could haunt us for for the entirety of of our existence. I Nolan Patrick, that's that. now his eleventh goal on the season. It was a deflection in front of the net, tied the game at one. He's uh, he's been yeah, on a tear recently. Had. I don't know. Why do you have to do comparisons? Well, Why can't we good. just be happy? Why can't we just be happy that Nolan Patrick is up to double digit goals and double digit assists after a really rough start to the season, coming off sports hernia because surgery? Can't we just allow the guy to have some Nico. time? All 15. right, but you know what though? I think. I th- no, listen. I think if we did a, I think if we did a breakdown of their game logs uh, since like the All Star break, I think Nolan has outscored him. Maybe not in assists, but definitely in goals. Nico anyway. is 13 and 28 for 41 points, and Olin Patrick is 10 and 10 for 20. He's yep. 11 and 10 now. Thank you. He's yep. just scored a goal. I'm going to remain disappointed. Get your facts straight and then come back to me.
1: Can um, we talk about the NCAA thing? Uh,
0: I just hate college sports. I really uh. do. I love the tournament. I'm fine with the tournament. I enjoy it. I like to pick like San Diego State every year to do a first round upset. I don't care about college basketball. We could talk about it because this is more about, like, the the spectacle of it and the way that they establish it, which I think is nonsense. But, like, I feel like I'm the only person who feels this way. And I don't know why. I need people on Twitter to interact with us and let me know that I'm either the biggest idiot or that I'm totally sane. But, like, college football, if it's on a Saturday, like, if I'm, if I'm sitting around on a Saturday, I'm looking for something to find, and I can't find, like... Spanish French Italian or English Premier League soccer then like yeah I'll turn on the Penn State game but like I don't care when when Penn State plays like Akron or like some no-name third division nobodies that they pay a ton of money to to get slaughtered in like the second week of college football like when the playoff starts and bowl season starts like I like that I like watching the the hockey playoffs in in the NCAA I forget what they're called I should know that like the Frozen Four. Um, like I, I like college playoffs, but I don't care about regular season at all. I don't Am I think... wrong? No, I, I look. Am I, I don't wrong? Think in you're this? in the,
1: well. It depends on where you you're from. I don't think you're wrong on this. I, a lot of people I would say feel the same way, especially around here. College football is not big in the Northeast, so I you're you're probably in the majority there. I'm the same way. I will watch maybe one or two of Penn State's big games or put them on while they're on, Uh, you know, and an occasional big Saturday night game or something of that effect. And and typically maybe only the national championship after that. Uh, I think the bowl things are, the bowls are stupid. They're exhibitions basically. I'm all agreement. I'm all with you on college football. Um, For every really good game, there's like, 85% of the games are shitty. 5% are watchable and 10% are really good or or somewhere about that long. 10% are watchable. Five are really good. Um, so I agree with you there. College basketball is a great sport. I think it's suffered some, you know, it's had had this weird arc where back in the day, you know, the Requiem for the big East is one of the best 30 for thirties. And that is a sort of heyday throwback to college sports. And then you get the bird magic matchups, I guess in the, what, like the late seventies. Um, and then you fast forward to this ESPN boom, and the reason why ESPN became so big and one of the things they they used as their foundation to turn themselves into this you know world dominating sports power and this is from the book. Um, those guys have all the fun, is they recognized that there was a huge opportunity in college sports. They were competitive, they were fun, and they came with built-in intense fan bases. So they started broadcasting a lot of it, the Big East stuff and all that. And by the early 2000s, college sports were, you know, right there with pro sports in terms of, uh, you know, maybe not for regular season games, but, you know, I mean, they were right there in terms of viewership and importance to ESPN and all that, and... and um, I feel like that has dwindled a little bit, you know, some of the rules about one and done and all this stuff and conf- conference realignment, I think, has hurt a lot because you, you take away these natural rivalries, you turn player, you know, guys from Syracuse have to hop on a two-hour plane ride for every game, you have schools in the Midwest playing schools in the Northeast, you know, all this stuff, like, it, it's, it's turned into its own mini pro league. So I think it has watered down the game. And I think you know, some of their missteps is the NCAA. People are taking that out on the game and all that stuff. Uh, that said, uh, I, think, I think the tournament is great. I think college basketball can be very good. Um, but I think what's happening with college basketball is in the early 2000s, the NBA was really lazy. Uh, it, was a, it was a purely an ISO game. Um, it, it was a mid-range game. It was a it was kind of like a selfish game. It was and it was dominated by one team that didn't play that way, which was the Spurs. And college basketball was everything you wanted out of basketball. It's kinda not flipped. College basketball still is what it is. But the NBA now is a vastly superior product. There is a ton of talent, a ton of personality. The game is different. And the way the game has evolved is not the way it could be played in college. You simply don't have the skill level for guys to be shooting up these you know, crazy amount of super deep threes the way they do in the NBA. And flying, you know, they've always flew above the rim in, in the NBA. But it's a different, it's just a different sport right now. The NBA is so wildly entertaining. I think that hurts college basketball um, yeah.
0: I want to say though like I th- I think college basketball is better when the NBA is bad and the NBA is probably at its peak I think like the yeah. product that you see now in, I agree in the league across the board renders like I let's put it this way if Duke is playing some random team on ESPN and I have the option to watch like the Timberwolves and the Rockets or something, like I, I'm gonna go Timberwolves Rockets. Like if you're giving me any kind of matchup that has the Thunder in it right now, the Rockets. Even this like weird hodgepodge Spurs team that's going through a weird kind of thing. If you've got Cleveland in this like very odd kind of up and down streak they've had since they've uh, since the trade deadline. If you've got Boston on, even Toronto, who's probably like the most unheralded top seed potentially in the last few years in the league as a whole. There are so many interesting storylines and so many interesting, you know, player dynamics. There, these guys are involved in social media. There, it's it really is the peak time. And we've talked about this before. Young kids, Travis Connectney just scored two one Flyers. Um, we're at a, a point now where so many kids. Uh, you talk middle age or middle school age. You can talk even elementary um, and going all the way up through high school, where players via social media via. Um, social media channels and endorsements. Kids connect with the player more than they connect with teams now, and the NBA is full of so many dynamic personalities that a, a kid will glom onto that. Like kids going home and asking for NBA league pass so they can watch, you know, Jimmy Butler play with Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. That that's like a much bigger deal now, and it's a much more common thing than it was even say five years ago. So I think that kind of contributes to why. I don't care about college basketball until the tournament. Um, I do think a couple interesting national storylines that came out about college basketball.
1: And By the way, color- I agree with everything you league. just said. I th- Before Beautiful. you turn the page on that, uh, the, uh, you're right. The NBA is at its peak, and the only thing I would add, add there is it, there's such these cool storylines because you have one of the greatest ever to lace them up on the back end of his peak in LeBron James, going up against the Goliath. It's one of the greatest teams ever assembled. And uh, below that, you have this, this vast wealth of young talent with personalities and profiles and, you know, the Greek freak and Embiid. And, like, you just have this nice... It's just a really well-rounded product, and it's a perfect product for this time where authenticity rules, and these guys are able to express themselves. And you know, college is like this big old ivory tower of a of a sports organization that clearly doesn't get it, doesn't let its players get it, um, and you know, stifles the whole product as a as a result of of that because there's and such like-, like ill will towards the NCAA.
0: And even think about how different the international game has gotten, and the international players that come into the league are, you know, when I would say 10 years ago, you would say European player. You picture a big, goofy looking white guy who, like, kind of reminds you of of Ivan Drago, right? Like, you're expecting this, like, Russian boxer to come over and, like, shoot some threes, and that's about it. But, like, think about guys that you have, like, of course, you have your Chris Epps Porzingis of the world who kind of look like the traditional European player. Like, you can even go. Um, like a, a Laurie and I guess if you wanted to but like um, oh my god what's Nikola Jokic is another name but like then you've got Giannis who comes from Greece you have Joel Embiid who comes from Cameroon and like they have reinvented I think even globally what the game looks like so yeah all these things kind of come come into play Um, Steve Kerr I think was this week had actually said that he thinks one of the things that the league should look into doing, the, the NBA should look into doing to kind of improve the product and also to improve the college game is to let kids that go undrafted return to college. And the, in the current structure, the second a kid declares for the NBA draft and takes on an agent, they're no longer eligible to go back to college. And you think about it, like part of the reason that the NBA even got away from letting kids go straight into the league is because they didn't think the players were ready. Well, if a guy goes undrafted, you know, His only option shouldn't be to go into the G League or to go abroad for a couple years. And I think that's part of the issue. I think TJ McConnell was actually... I think it was when he was on Reddick's podcast. Yeah, but this isn't an about... NBA problem. This is an NCAA problem. No, no, no. I, I get it. But I'm saying like, I think that idea from Steve Kerr makes a lot of sense. If a kid goes undrafted, why should he not be able to go back to college? I I do think that the NBA has missed out on an opportunity here to make the G League an interesting thing. I think the, the NBA should definitely pursue the possibility... Of Instead of letting kids go to college or making them go to college for a year and potentially water down that product, they should just have a partnership with, with the G League where like you're a 19-year-old kid and you want to declare for the draft and you don't get drafted, go to the G League and make money. You want to declare out of high school?
1: Well, that's what and they do. And, uh, well, hold I mean, on, you, and you don't. And you don't want that. That's literally on, what they and you, do.
0: Hold on, pause. I I misworded that. Okay. If you're a 19 year old kid and you want to uh, go pro, but the the league is telling you that you have to go to college for a year or go abroad for a year, you should be able to just sign directly with the G League. Imagine how different this game would be if guys like uh, like Aiton and um, now I have all the names escaping me that I should know from the top. Yeah, but here, um, part of and the. Such, they should be able to make money if they want to go straight into the G League it makes the G League a more marketable product it it probably ends up you know getting you uh, higher ratings it probably brings in more uh, ad revenue and everything for the G League and for the league as a whole it creates better corporate synergy like right now the G League is just such an afterthought where it could end up being something where like you draw pretty big crowds to go out and see the best you know, high school players in the country who declare early to go pro. Like I think it makes all the sense in the world. The NBA doesn't owe the NCAA
1: anything. No, if I think we're no. I think the the reason the NBA does this um, is less about the NCAA and more about one, its product. Guys coming out of high school, a lot of guys prove to not be not really be NBA caliber, and they do water down the product in the NBA. It's also bad for them if they come out and go to the NBA. Yeah, they make a little bit of money up front, but then. You know, they, they don't get their quote-unquote education, but they don't learn to play basketball the right way. You know, there's plenty of guys. You know, again, take a team like Villanova that has guys who go for four years and some of them make it in the NBA. Like, look at Josh Hart. He's having success till he recently got hurt. Got hurt. Look at yeah. Dante Cunningham. Had a long career. Look at Randy Foy. None of, now, now, Foy wasn't a great NBA player. He's, he's been in the yeah, league. but he, he was a serviceable guy. He was in so. the league for a decade. He made a ton of money. Yeah. Um, You know uh alan ray know, not so much but okay yeah. alan, well alan ray making a ton of money in europe uh mike nardy made a ton of money in europe now i say whatever the point is you know none of these guys would have sniffed the nba before college some of them may have thought they could have you know randon uh, not randy foy um but you know there are definitely guys who probably thought they could have there's guys who i'm, I'm just using nova because i know them you know malik wayne's thought you know he's a surefire nba player uh, and he was with the Sixers for like a minute. You know, there are guys who come out of high school, think they're NBA players, are told by their people they're NBA players, then go to college and learn they're not NBA players or they have to learn to play the game better. Like a Foy, like a Dante Cunningham, like a Josh Hart. I mean, Josh Hart was barely recruited. and Now he's, a, he's, a, he's turned into a pretty decent NBA rookie. The point is, Scotty yeah, Reynolds, you know, was a guy that I think people thought had potential NBA talent. He's playing in Europe still, right? Like, yeah, he's been he's in wherever he was in Israel. He was in like Russia. He's he's yeah. He was just one of those guys who was like clearly a great college player, but just did not have the athleticism to play in the NBA.
0: The point God, is, he's
1: playing for Zenit Saint yeah, Petersburg. Yeah, it's bad. It's it's bad. Wow. And he's like sort of checked out from like the Villanova community. Like, nah, I don't I I don't want to say that, but like he's not. You know, a lot of the guys. Oh my God, Sidney Crosby just
0: scored. My a lot life is of over. the,
1: I'm dead, I'm dying. A lot of the, um, you know, former Nova guys are, are all in on the J. The, the point is, my point for all this is, guys can actually learn how to play basketball in college and go on to become good NBA players. So I think that is actually in the NBA's interest that they have a good, well-structured minor league system. The G League is probably not that because it's just a bunch of guys. They are not there for the team. If nothing else, a lot of colleges, not all are pretty good about getting teaching guys to in a structured environment, a controlled environment to play good team basketball and improve their games. And the best college coaches all want both sides. They they look out for their players' interest. They try and get them to the league. They coach them, prepare them for the league. They occasionally have meet with agents because that's just what they do. And it's not a bad thing, despite how Yahoo report, make it sound. Um, like that is good for players, and I think that's why the NBA does it. Like, but
0: just imagine for a second if if you let teams draft these kids who would like otherwise not be draft eligible. Like, say that you're that kid who who wants to go to the potentially go to the G League. Like, you're a second round pick. You fall into a certain criteria, like you're 18 years old, um, and like you get picked up by the Spurs in the second round. And because of your age, they say, "All right, you can be in the system. You can play for the Spurs G League team." Um, and then you kind of do the inverse of like what the junior hockey rules are, like the first seven games of the season. If a guy is still on the roster, they have to stay with the big club the entire season or they get rele- like they get sent back to their junior team and they're ineligible to be brought up the rest of the year. What if you did the flip side of that where like throughout the entire course of a season, this kid who's like 18 years old, who's playing for San Antonio's G League team is allowed to travel back and forth to actually train with the uh, with the Spurs if they you know, if, if they're in the same area and then like the last seven games or so of the season, or last 10 games, they can actually get like something similar to a September call up where like they're eligible to play in those last 10 games. Like you can maybe make the case that they shouldn't be eligible for the postseason. But like that's their ability to kind of get some um, some minutes in. Like obviously it takes them out of rookie of the year contention the next year. But for a guy who's a second round pick who's 18 years old, you're just happy to be in the league. Like I I think there's a way to do it. I just think yeah, that the uh, nBA will, i think I think in a league where they are at the cutting edge of most things and they're and they're very proactive and they're very progressive, I think this is like the one glaring you know weakness in their entire corporate model. I well, think that there are ways to do it. I think they should i it definitely has to be examined and I think silver is going to do it. it's just
1: i I don't exactly know you know how radical do they want to go. The problem is they' they're they're on some level trying to do that with the G league. Right. But, you know, again, I do think it works in the NBA's favor for these guys to be in the slightly more structured environment of college. Look, let's face it. College high level college teams have better travel budgets, better accommodations, and quite frankly, probably better coaching than most all teams in the G League. Uh, And they're better environment. They're just better environments to learn basketball. I think now they might try. They're definitely trying to change this. Um, But, you know, I I just there's a lot, though.
0: Is is I think coaches, so like, let's if we're talking about coaching, you know, not being the same and accommodations not being the same, if that becomes part of a a league mandate or it becomes like a league initiative to improve that quality, and that's how the word gets out, then maybe you start getting guys who are the, the second or third bench coach, you know, under a Jay Wright. Who'd like decide that they want to go and pursue an assistant, you know, assistant head? Coaching they do job that the anyway, but you're still not yeah, get,
1: under your scenario. You're still not getting forget Jay Wright because I'm just going to get shit. You're not getting John Calipari. You're not getting Rick Pitino. You're not getting Jim Boeheim. You're not getting Sean Miller, who's paying his players. You're not getting um, uh, Coach Beeline. Uh, who's yeah, but a terrific I would agree. I, I, I would
0: argue that I don't think you're getting their right hand men either. But if it becomes a league initiative where they're paying those coaches enough and there and like those premium players are available there are you know eligibility you know pieces to this where you could be coaching real talent like sure, I think but, it, it come, I think but again
1: it comes down to money these teams have to make money they're not the NBA isn't going to share their you know the the pro teams aren't going to share that much of their profits with their G League teams um so you have to have the money to pay people, you have to have the fan base. Again, like I mean, look at these college coaches. You know, Jay Wright probably makes as much in endorsements as he does from the school. Uh, certainly, some of the big name guys. Why is that? Well, that's because they have huge fan bases. Yes, they're you know niche and smaller schools like Nova to bigger schools like North Carolina or whatever it is. But you know, name me ten. NBA coaches, and then name me ten college coaches. I bet you nine out of ten people. It's easier to name ten college coaches. Those guys are there forever. They become quasi-famous. They have huge career earnings, uh, job security, and earnings potential just outside of the game. And they, you know, quite frankly, they're in better environments. You're in packed stadiums. It's very tough. It's kind of like the MLS in that regard, much harder than the MLS. I'll say in that regard, to be able to fill arenas for a G League team where the basketball, pro- you know, it's a Chicken or the egg thing. Is the basketball product good? They don't have fan bases though. You know, it's like a minor league team. Still, you're not going to be able to pull these huge fan bases the way a Kentucky is able to fill 18,000 seats at RUP Arena. And, you
0: know, these are I all
1: considerations with- that, yes, I agree making the G League a, a compelling product could serve as a cool alternative to college. But right now, college throws off a lot of money and it's never going to lose it's fans if you went to a school and they have a, a big time program you're always going to love love that team It always has built in fans you never have to find new fans because you go to that school and you come out and now you're a fan
0: I agree with the point that you made about being easier to name college coaches in general although I do think that if you pulled enough people who were casual college basketball fans names like Rick Pitino would pop up and those clearly are no longer the case um, I think the counter to all of this, and, and I've, I've already said it, we've argued both sides, uh, I think it's probably time to move on from this, but like, if the G League is able to have guys like DeAndre Ayton, Mo Bamba, Luka Doncic, Marvin Bagley, Trey Young, Michael Porter Jr., like if you're able to create a structure where those guys are headlining those G League teams, the ad money is going to follow, the TV contracts are going to fall in i i'm very confident of that because I like it like I a, mean, pumped a pumped up summer league really, honestly summer exactly great, i mean yeah. and okay. and and then you kind of mix in the fact that like that probably does encourage teams who have guys like say a markel fultz or um god i, I think i had a, an entire list of these guys um like even tony parker and such like when those guys are coming off of injuries they'll occasionally go down and practice with the g league team but like it stands to reason that guys who are on two-year co- on two-way contracts, and even stars who are coming back off of you know injuries, looking for a rehab assignment, that they might be more inclined to actually you know not feel totally embarrassed to go play a game in the G League if they've got you know an elite you know elite talent that's playing in the G League that they could at least you know. Get a feel for like what it's going to be like to play with that guy the next year. Obviously, a pro isn't going to like look at, it at an 18 year old kid in awe, but it does give you a little bit of a reason to lace up your your sneakers and go out and you know hit the G League court you know one time in the year. I don't know. I, I would be interested to see what people think, but I, I think I, I do think there's I think there is a way to fix it, but I think you know, the way if that ends up happening. Out.
1: I think it's a very compelling argument the way you laid it out. I think the logistics are tough, but I think the, the goal is is definitely a good one. I the, the extended version of a summer league would be would be pretty awesome if you had that premium talent there. The, the trouble is getting it there. Um Michael Kendricks right now yeah, is in his are you watching it? Well I, all he's, I see is him and Jason, and Jason Kelsey, Kelsey, are Kelsey with Diego's a fight
0: song. Yeah, that's beautiful. And Fly and Penn's knitting
1: play. lady tweets, shouldn't that hat have a nice big nineteen seventy five in glitter too?
0: Do we talk about uh? Do we uh, talk about what happened on Twitter today, or do we just kind of let it go?
1: Let's skip it for now. Um. Okay. I want the whole reason we're talking about college because we want to talk about the NCAA's new broadcast thing. You, <laughs> we didn't get to that yet. You mistakenly <laughs> thought it was their selection show announcing the team names. I don't care about that. The selection show is is jumped the shark years ago, and it's terrible now. Um. My thing about the, the is the what announcement. What mistaken about? What's that? Uh, go ahead. You had mentioned like you had mentioned that earlier and i thought that's what you thought i meant when i said like about
0: the fact that they're going to that they're going to announce the names and then after that they're going to announce the bracket yeah
1: that i don't care about that like that's the change oh to the okay i thought show. oh i
0: i just think it's stupid
1: it's yeah, the, what the are whole show you upset terrible? about it doesn't matter at this point you all find out the the bracket anyway that all that intrigue i think is has that was manufactured before in the, the era before social media now, it's so it, painful now it's painful yeah the whole show just sucks now it just who it's,
0: honestly watches it Wow. Is it like somebody who, who's like a, a mid level team that they're just really excited to, to be there and they want to see their seating? Like no, if you're I, a Villanova fan, do you really care all that much if they get a one seat like fuck the yes. top one seat? Fuck yes. So you would watch the whole thing just so you can No, know and that's an the thing. Well seat. the
1: point I was gonna I used to watch the entire thing. Now I, I watch Till Nova and then I go online and see the bracket as it comes out. Um you know, or, if, or like see where, you know, St. Joe's see if which side of the bubble they're on this year. Someone tweeted me today, said they lost their best player and they still finished fourth in the A ten. I was like, well, congratulations. I didn't even hmm. I don't even I thought they weren't even in, still in the A ten. I thought I had a new name. Who's anyway, that? the thing that I cared about, I was making fun of St. Joe's. Congratulations uh, okay. for being fourth in your mid major conference. Big year. Have group.
0: they ever have they been
1: relevant at all since Jameer Nelson and Delante West? They have not. And this is the thing I will say about St. Joe's fans. They're usually pretty honest about that. Um, Phil Martelli, and, and most of them seem to dislike Phil Martelli. He had a golden opportunity after all that. And um, there's two ways you could have gone like that. You could have gone the way St. Joe's has gone, or you could have gone the way Villanova has gone. And I don't mean to keep bringing them up. They they had built-in advantages by their conference and stuff. But Phil Martelli had a chance to, you know, kind of push that Gonzaga sort of model, uh, and he did not. They did not get anybody after that. Um, you know, they've had a few guys go pro, but they've been largely irrelevant since. And that kind of sucks. Is some You know, I mean... It's, it, it would be good to have a, another really good team in the city. Uh, they fell on their face. My hold on. My thing about no, no, the, wait wait, the this viewing. is St. Joe's thing.
0: Imagine going back to that, uh, to that magical run they had and then saying, "Guys, in about like six years, Delante West is going to be more famous for allegedly sleeping with LeBron James's mom than for this run. Delante is a
1: notorious asshole. Uh, I mean, like, but that's Candace, just from what I hear. Do you remember that rumor? Because oh, it yeah, was, yeah,
0: it, it, like that was that was big. That's actually what I remember. That's him one for. of those rumors I still don't believe. Jameer is the one that I remember for St. Joe's, and Delante is is LeBron's. Yeah, step-dad. that's another
1: one of those rumors I don't believe. The so and so sleep on so rumors almost never true. Anyway, the thing, the the broadcast thing I wanted to talk about, and I can't believe this isn't a big bigger deal. I can't believe it hasn't been done before. Is the Red zone esque, I forget what they're calling it. Whip around coverage that they're doing. It's only streaming; it's not on TV, which is fine. Um, the uh, it's just a red zone style coverage of the NCAA tournament. I get at least the first two rounds or whatever they're calling them. That's another thing. They've screwed the tournament by adding the four teams. They've watered down the bubble. They watered down the naming of the oh, rounds, and they, they insist they insist upon calling Thursday and Friday the second round, or maybe they went away from that. But whatever. I like this red zone thing. I can't believe it's taken this long for them to do that. The fact that you're able to watch four games at once and hop in and you got to go to true TV and all this bullshit. The, if there's ever an event begging for a red zone style thing, it was this huge applause for that, even though it's only streaming all, 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 all in on that. Yeah. I mean, it's called
0: fast break. Fast. All right. Break. I, I, yeah. I see it here. So it's fast break. First food, first two full days of the tournament. They're going to switch from game to game with live look ins, quick turnaround highlights commentary on on behalf of all the games they're calling it dynamic fan-centric and they're going to bring viewers real-time analysis social reaction and all-encompassing look at the entire tournament from one viewing location i think it makes sense absolutely
1: absolutely there's no you know what you're right like that is
0: that is really weird like they've been doing that for the epl with goal zone for what three years now on nbc sports
1: and and that and and is i'm not knocking soccer here but that is the worst sport to do it for because there's so little actual scoring, you know, I mean, football's great to do it for, but you know, but there's so little actual scoring and all the games end at the same time. So it's not even like, okay, we're going to go here. That Cause you're staggered. Yeah. We're, yeah. It's, you know, it's shit. It's 10 o'clock. We got nine games coming to the finish here and they're all tied. Um, yeah. I'm not knocking soccer. It's just not a great use for that product. Um, the, the NCAA tournament's perfect. So I'm all in on that. That's all I got. I'm all in. I on think it makes a lot of sense. I don't hate it. I don't.
0: Huh. We ended on a positive note. Let's, what let's, can we argue about?
1: That's it. Finish it.
0: Hold on. Jeff Jeff put up a thing about uh, this new cheesesteak hybrid. Cheesesteak meets barbecue, a new hybrid sandwich hit. Where's this? It's at Mike's Barbecue somewhere in Philly. It's uh, not a real cheesesteak. What, what, what is it? So it's. Okay. Uh, this is really bad. It's a spare rib.
1: What? So Alright po- anyway. Yeah, this is this is wrap. really
0: good pod. This is really it's a brisket cheesesteak. I like the idea of that. That's okay. So it's caramelized onions, uh, creamy house whiz from Cooper Sharp Cheese, and it's brisket. That sounds good.
1: Does sound good. I don't
0: I don't have a problem with, with a slightly off the beaten path uh,
1: cheesesteak. I'm watching this Kelsey video, it looks awesome.
0: Well, that's great. Well that's great. Let's wrap it. All right. Um, Oh, let's do an iTunes review. I had it pulled up. I've been been killing my memory this whole time. Last one. Somebody gave us a one-star rating, um, and they said they're going to make it five stars once uh, they get some consistency back. We are consistently awesome. Now change your review. Um, let's go to a five star review from Jaso stoned who says worth the five stars. Love the podcast. Five stars. Good job, fellas. Love the different takes and the break from regular boring sports talk radio in the city. They get old really quick. I love nothing more. And now this is this guy. He says that he loves nothing more than to get really, really stoned and deliver the mail while listening to the podcast. He says, keep it up and keep it different than the radio guys. Thanks guys that's beautiful there's also somebody dom kane nfl who left a three-star review and said that i guess it could go to a five-star review why are all these people putting in like all these qualifiers they're essentially trying to program the show in an effort to like 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 holding a three-star review over our head and and then like we're gonna change everything We're gonna change it because they know we hate three stars we we, we don't mind one star i really don't like like five stars.
1: stars three stars is is you're mailing it in Yeah, but see, I didn't read their three-star review
0: on here. I read it, and I wept a little bit, but, like, I'm not going to read the three-star on here. You need to change it to five, and I'll read it on Friday's episode, where we will likely be having, uh, or hopefully be having, Anthony Sanfilippo on to uh, talk some Flyer stuff. They are currently losing, as of recording, 3-2 to the Penguins. And if that happens, I will be almost as disappointed as I was when I saw that Chris Cuthbert, who I've never heard of in my life, was calling Wednesday rivalry night and not Doc Emmerich. So... All right. This has been The Crossing Broadcast on a weird Thursday morning. uh, We will talk to you again either Thursday night or Friday morning. So, uh, bye.